Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash Serlin. Hello and welcome to Serlin on Game Design, episode 17, which is shipping a Kickstarter on time. And with me is Leontes. Hello again, everyone. Hey. So we are here to talk about Kickstarters. Are you excited? <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I am getting a, uh, a package in about four days, uh, according to my email that I just got. So hopefully my, my Codex Deluxe set will be here. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, the, the Codex. Today's the 16th of December. So it should be shipping, yeah, the 20th. So I'm excited. Awesome. I'm yes. not excited, but I, I am. I really am. That is our most recent Kickstarter. Our most recent Kickstarter, which, by the way, shipped three months early. Now, it turns out that it's taking quite a long time to actually ship all the boxes out because of the deluxe set is so huge. It's too so, big. Yeah. Yeah. We had to get special shipping boxes and special ways of handling it. So it's taking a little longer. So some people will get their rewards three months early and some people only two months early. Yeah. So, sorry. Sorry for two months early. <laughs> Yeah, can't you know? So this will be what the fourth or fifth of your board game kickstarters that have shipped early now. Out of five kickstarters, all five of them are on time or early. Yeah, and that's why I actually wanted to do this episode is to talk right. about how that's even possible. Yeah, and specifically, these are in the board game category of kickstarters, right? So it's like they're notoriously famous for just not like shipping on time, having really like long long dates for when they would even ship, and then not fulfilling those, and being really slow to update. Camp campaigns and all these things that just sort of plague board games on Kickstarter. Yeah, I know most about the board game and video game categories. And I don't know if you do you know the number one biggest revenue on all of Kickstarter? What category? Yeah, it is board games. Like I, I know yeah, that there are right. some there's some video games that have done really well, right? Like I think the largest individual projects might be video games. But in terms of like overall, like, yeah, it's it's board games by a wide margin. Right. I'm talking about the overall revenue of the whole category. Yeah, like the, and, the market. Yeah. And so board games are are the biggest, bigger than video games. And I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe it was twice as much even in most recent mm -hmm. years. So they're huge. And, and in both categories, board games and video games, it's just a chronic problem to be late or to not yeah, ship at all. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes no. For for something to be that huge of a of a share of what what happens on Kickstarter overall, it's it's kind of crazy though that you know they have the most problems. Like you think that they would be kind of figured this it, stuff it out would by be now? Down to a science by now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's just so many ways to go wrong. I guess All, making a game is not necessarily the same skill set as shipping a project on time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about that though like what what specifically makes board games harder to ship you said you said ship a project on time so that, that could be anything why would board games have this special issue of just being so late actually i don't think they do <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that uh a video game is as hard or harder i just mean projects in general on kickstarter not you know whether it's a a random household project or you know a video game or a board game like well because project management is is just separate from the design of a thing like when I design a thing to make it fun or to make it useful or to make it do whatever it's supposed to do, that's just totally unrelated to how I'm going to ship it to you or whatever, or like just a lot of the details of a campaign. Anyway, I wanted to do this episode because it's such a chronic problem that Kickstarter projects are late or that don't ship at all. 
and that I've done now five out of five on time or early. And I'm, I actually don't know of maybe someone else has done that. I haven't actually heard of it. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I'm not used to Kickstarters being early or even even on time. You know, I mean, I'm not going to claim whether other people have or haven't done that. I don't know. But all I know is that I've seen threads on BoardGameGeek where people complain about some random Kickstarter that's super li- like years late. And they're mad and they say, are all Kickstarters like this? And then they get responses that are like, basically, yes, but <laughs> Serlin shipped on time. Like I've seen that. <laughs> you have seen that? Like you've Yes, seen- I have literally seen that. Oh, and then maybe there's like one other mentioned or something. So it's so rare that it's, it's become like it's an example. It's a talking point. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like it's a talking point. Not, not all Kickstarters. Hashtag. <laughs> Okay, so let's help people out. <laughs> let's uh, let's help them okay. ship on time. Sounds good. Sorry. All right. So then, I guess here here we go. I'm making a board game. Okay. Yeah. And I wanna I wanna crowdfund this thing and I wanna get it on Kickstarter. So let's just like role play this. I guess. Are there any things I need to know before <laughs> I do that, or or like <laughs> what are the main the main like three points or something as to what I should do before? Yeah, I, I like to... the way you phrase that. As if one of the choices here was that you just launch it and like then I tell you the things. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you need to know the things ahead of time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So the, I think the biggest things are, by the way, this is all about board games right now. Let's only talk about board games since okay. the five I did were board games. So first question, how much of the game should be finished? The second issue is a, a secret magic word and the magic word just solves tons of problems. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you what that is in just a moment. Okay. Right? So when we get to number two. Right. Yeah. And then number three is shipping or maybe number three should be called like shipping 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 <laughs> right because <laughs> i mean one of the points when we're talking about how to ship a kickstarter on time i think should be shipping definitely and i'd also like to make the point that the three things i'm telling you right now are all three including the shipping are the things you need to know way ahead of time so it feels like you would maybe put your campaign out there and then it would conclude and then you would start to deal with the shipping, but that's completely false. <laughs> I want to have an idea first and then I'm going to tell everyone about my idea, right? And then I have 30 days for them to fund that and then I start working on the game, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, then you start working on the game and the, and the shipping is a distant, you know, fifth or tenth well, place. I haven't, I haven't made the game yet. Yeah. So let's talk about like how far along should my game actually be before I decide any of this stuff. Yeah, great. So that was the first issue, first question. So what are your options? So 0% that would be an option or like mm-hmm. 5% maybe or 50% or 95% or 100%. Those are kind of the, you know, the ballpark. So what about yeah. 0%? Now, I think if you're at 0%, you couldn't really excite people because you need to show them like something, right? Yeah, like art or components or rules or Right. So let's something. just let's skip to 5%, right? Because <laughs> then you've sure. got like a little bit of something. So what about 5%? Well, I think that would be maybe in the spirit of Kickstarter. Like maybe that's mm-hmm. kind of why Kickstarter was created was so people could have an idea. And if people heard that idea and liked it and wanted to support it, then the creator could make that idea. So I wouldn't say that you're just like a moron or a terrible person or something if you went to Kickstarter with 5%. Mm -hmm. But I never considered doing that. Just imagine a marketplace where maybe some people choose to do that and other people choose to be way farther along, like more than 90%. I just thought that more than 90% would like win out. Mm-hmm. In, in the marketplace, that it would just be more practical. And the thing about a board game is that it actually is possible to develop 90% of a board game 
without a lot of funding, you know, because you can test it with pen and paper. You don't need to pay a team of people that work for a year or something to get a board game that basically works. You don't need that. You can do that much more cheaply. So right. because you can, you almost have to. You should. You, yeah. you should. Yeah. I, I, I have to. I don't mean a moral imperative, but just a practical imperative mm. to succeed in the marketplace. Yeah. So I just want to draw the distinction that if you fell short of that, I, I don't. it's not that you're doing anything like evil <laughs> or yeah, incompetent yeah. or something. It's, it's just probably should be farther along. So the biggest expense is art. I think that's the tough one. Mm -hmm. And I have been able to fund all of the art or most of the art ahead of time. So that's an advantage. And if you can't do that, I think that's the area where you need to fund, you know, 5% or 10% yeah, on like your before, own. Before that's ready, like the, the Kickstarter funds go into actually financing the art for the game. Right. So ideally, you'd you'd have that too, actually. And it would really be the manufacturing and maybe marketing costs, or I don't know, the things that, that are beyond production. Yeah. But if you can't swing the art, then getting Kickstarter, not having most of it and getting Kickstarter to pay for it would be at least a feasible thing to do. Right. So speaking of like... Like, you know, Kickstarter paying for it. This is a, an argument I've heard about, you know, games. Like you said, the spirit of Kickstarter is to have an idea, be at that like 5% point and then kind of probe the market and say, would you, would you guys interested in this kind of thing? And then everyone says, yeah, you're like, all right, cool. I guess I'll make it. Right. Right. And that's, that's kind of like what Kickstarter was supposed to be. But if you're saying that you should make a game or have your game at like 95 to 100%, there are going to be some people out there who say, well, if the game's done, why do you need a Kickstarter? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair point. So, there's several responses to that. You know, I didn't actually say to be 100% done for one thing. Right, right. Actually, maybe we should cover that first before we get to your great sure. question there. So what about, should you be 90 or 95 or 100? So on, on all my Kickstarters, I've never actually been 100% done. Not on any of them. When I got to that point, I kind of aim to be close to done, but... There's always like last touches here and there and, you know, a few things that can still change. And when I look back, I don't know how on purpose that was. <laughs> it was mm -hmm. I just didn't yeah. really think about it and it just kind of ended up that way. But it, in each case, it seems to have been the right thing to do. The reason I say that is that the farther along, the closer to 100%, the easier it's going to be to ship it on time later. But then the more leeway there is, meaning not literally 100%, the more chance there is to take advantage of feedback that you get during the Kickstarter that you couldn't get any other way. Yeah, totally. A lot of people complain about like, well, you know, why didn't you develop X thing longer and have it be better? But when the spotlight is on something, you just get a different volume and kind of feedback yeah, than totally. you could ever yeah. possibly get. And so when a lot of people are looking at the Kickstarter, they'll make like maybe a change in components that is important to them that I wouldn't have cared about, but I see that a lot of people do. Sometimes it's, you know, finding wording that was ambiguous or something that we could now fix because we haven't locked everything down. Yeah. And we have just, you know, 10,000 more eyes on something rather than just, you know, four people looking at like a rule book or some, some sort of interaction. Yeah. So it gives you like the flexibility to make changes if you're not like, okay, the box is sealed. Do you want to buy it? <laughs> yeah. So slightly making changes, making adjustments, improvements, especially in components, mm -hmm. you know, how yeah. to represent something in the game. Okay. So that's where I, I stand on that is that it's good to be a little bit less than 100%. So you can still learn from something. Now let's go to your question. Yeah, it's my skeptical question here is, well, if you're so far ahead, you know, and the game's pretty much done, why do you need to run a Kickstarter? Can't you just, you know, release the game and, and ship it that way? Okay, so a few answers. So one of them 
is like the kind of cynical answer that people don't want to hear. But <laughs> but it's, but there's truth to this is that even if it was just completely done and you didn't need any money, it just seems that people like Kickstarters and it becomes bigger <laughs> and it's like a marketing opportunity. But that's not I mean, if that's your only answer, even if it's true, it just like feels kind of slimy or something. Yeah. yeah. Another true answer is that there really is an opportunity to ship a better game using Kickstarter than you could have otherwise shipped. So like a real world example is Puzzle Strike 3rd Edition. That Kickstarter, it was successful enough that I added boards. Like So each player gets their own board and tracks where their gems go. And mm-hmm. each player gets screens where you, it's like a cardboard stand-up that has some funny uh, rule. like yeah, The 8-bit uh, art. Yeah, the yeah. 8-bit art depicting rules. And you the function of it is to hide your chips so you don't have to hold the chips in your hand if you don't want. You can put them on the table behind the screen. Anyway, so there's four boards and mm-hmm. there's four screens. And I was not going to include those. So when I do a mm-hmm. print run, it's always a risk. It's a huge risk. Maybe no one's going to buy the thing and I need to keep costs down. And like the more you print, the more you know quantity of your print run, the cheaper things get. So like if you wanted to print 2,000 of something versus 3,000 or 4,000 or 5,000, like let's say that those were all the choices or something, you know, how many thousand are we, we going to print? But in all cases, you want the retail price to be a certain amount, $50 or something. Right, right. Yeah. So then the more you print, actually, the more stuff you could put in is how that Makes works. Sense. It's already crazy risky to do any of this in the first place. This is like, yeah. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. I think most people are not even into this kind of lifestyle. So it's already nuts. But then it's way too nuts even for me to have <laughs> included those components. So that's that's an example. Without, without where, already knowing that you would have X amount of sales, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Kickstarter actually did fund the improvement of that game. And that's a, you know, that's just one example, but that's the point. That's mm-hmm. yeah. a big reason to do Kickstarter is that kind of thing. So I think we've kind of covered the first question, right? Which is how, what percent should you be? Yeah, be between you? between 90 and 100, but preferably not 100, just because, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's things that could be better based on feedback from your fans. And, you know, they're the ones you're making the game for, so... Yeah, I've done that. I've yeah. done ninety five usually percent. I guess I should say maybe another thing on this. So what? Why not be fifty percent through something? Because if you were fifty percent through, then the effect that we just said, like people give feedback and so on, it could be much bigger. You know, you could get much more feedback. So wouldn't that be better? And yeah, there's something to be said for that. But I guess the way I look at it is that when you have an idea for a game. It's very difficult to ever know how far the end is, how much it needs to be developed. And it's been wildly different Mm. for the different games that I've worked on. Some of them been much faster than others. So Codex was the slowest and it took over 10 years. And it's because radical changes kept happening. Like think of it as, as approaching local maxima. Like here's an idea for a game. Now it's a little better, a little better, a little better. Oh, but you know what? If it had this fundamental change. Yeah. Like maybe if we made the fundamental change tomorrow, the game will actually be worse because we just ruined a bunch of tuning that we did. But maybe three months from now, it would be better. And then we would reach a new local maxima around that. Yeah. yeah. So we tune that. And then at that point, I realized, oh, there's actually another fundamental rule change that could be good. And there's no way for me to know how many times. Like I didn't expect there to be any of those times, you know? Yeah. It's like how many times has Codex been 80% done? 
10, right. 12? <laughs> yeah, a lot of times. And we I certainly didn't expect it to be an right. asynchronous game where you could take your turn without needing the other person there. So yeah, for a lot of reasons. Like I, I didn't think that would be good if it could be done. And I didn't think it even really could be done for Codex. And we st- it started as a thought experiment about like, well, obviously we're not really going to do this, but what if we did? How would we even approach it? And mm-hmm. I got in a trap there and that it was very easy to solve 90% of the problems. And so I thought, oh, wow, I guess this is doable. And actually it does have good properties. So maybe we should do it. And I, I didn't at that moment realize that the last 10% was this incredibly difficult. And it took, I would say, more than a year to deal with that changeover of like, should mm-hmm. the game be allowed to be played asynchronously or not? So that's an example where like, let's say we had gone to Kickstarter at 50%. Yeah, we would benefit from getting feedback from a lot of people. But I think that's just outweighed by what I just told you. Like, Yeah, because the scenario you're talking about is sure we'll 50% done now, but then we'll get to 70% and then realize something and then start over again. And then... <laughs> Like how much longer will the game be in development at that point, especially if you have that many eyes on the project? Like, and now you have like some time pressure to make sure that it gets done and that can hurt design in a myriad of ways. So yeah, being like 95% of the way there means that there's just polished stuff, there's slight things, but no, no overarching core mechanisms being like changed. Yeah, there's also a, a concept of like how the public is, is very good at giving feedback on some kinds of things and not other kinds of things. Right. And right. this type of thing is very difficult because because it like me as a professional game designer that is an expert in this struggled for a year to figure out how to make this game asynchronous and have it actually work. And yeah, it's not like me alone. I mean, it's me and a bunch of other experts who help me. <laughs> And mm-hmm. if we had opened that up to the entire world and all of their cacophonous, you know, conflicting <laughs> opinions, I actually don't think it would have been less than a year to fix that. I think it would no, have been more not. or it might have just it might. It's not even a matter of time. It just might have been miserable and just everyone disagreeing. And why is this game stalled? And it, yeah. would, it really just would have been horrible. And I am thankful that I did what I did and that it took a long time to get it 95 and then show yeah. people that. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, even even then, like, it's impossible to know that you're at 50%, but I think it's possible to know that you're 95%. Yeah, right. If you had asked me if I was at 50%, you know, I would have got it wrong a bunch of times. Yeah, well, five, five years ago, right? At the halfway point. <laughs> yeah. In hindsight, that's the, re- that's the right answer. But it's still like, you probably, for any game, for any project, you could probably never really say when it's 50% done. But you probably can say when it's almost done. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you funny thing about that so there's a commonly known thing called the 90 10 rule where it's like the first 90 percent or the the last 10 percent is 90 percent of the effort yes and uh, that just appears all over the place so okay so that's like kind of level one is if you understand that basic thing that just plagues all projects Mm. and when i wrote the book playing to win what i experienced was that 90 percent of the book was in place and I thought like, well, there's only 10% left, but there's this 90-10 rule. So probably the last 10% will take a ton of time. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that was exactly right. That going from a book that's mostly there to like a book that's actually completely edited, as in every mm-hmm. single sentence in the entire book, you are sure is grammatically correct, has the right punctuation marks, <laughs> you know, yeah. not and to mention telling, just... And it's telling just, the thing that you want to tell yeah, versus yeah, what's in your brain and... 
telling yeah. the thing you want to tell. That, so there's different levels there because there's like it could be grammatically correct, but not really saying the right thing or maybe not in the right order. Maybe this paragraph actually should have been earlier. So that is a huge, huge amount of work. And what I found was that the second 90%, you know, because it feels like you did 90% to get to (laughs) there and then you got to do a second 90%, that at the end of the second 90%, I realized that there's like a third 90%. (laughs) And the third 90% had to do, it's easier now, but just with all the hassle of actually publishing it and getting a cover image that artistically is okay and that is the right specs and that has an Mm -hmm. ISSBN on it, you know, the number (laughs) that you And how do you register that? And uh, and on and on and on. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the third 90%. Okay. And then in business school, there was some example where professors, university professors got together and they wrote a textbook and it took them 10 years. It was the same kind of thing about like after the second 90%, they had to do the third 90%. And the, the thing that's so striking about all this is that, so some people, they don't know any of this. So of course they're going to be way wrong. But then the, mm-hmm. uh, other people, they do know this. Like they know this 90-10 rule and the professors who wrote this book knew it. Going into it, they knew like, well, this is going to take longer than we thought. So we'll correct for that. But even when they correct for it, they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, just yeah. like I was. And that there's a third 90%. So yeah, this all this reinforces that if you go to Kickstarter 50%. You're really maybe only 10% of the way there. <laughs> you've got like several more 90% that you probably forgot about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we can move on to the second tip, which was the right, the, mag- the magic word that I'm magic still word. So do you, do you know? For. Can you guess what is the most important magic word running the Kickstarter? Uh, you heard me say it. I don't know. I'd, I'd want to say shipping, <laughs> but that's number three. <laughs> yeah, that's number three. Okay, I'll tell you. The magic word is no, no. Okay. The most important <laughs> word to say, and this is a this is important. This is a big deal. Like it sounds like a jerky thing to say no. But you've got to be, okay, here's what you've got to not be. Maybe that helps explain it. You've got to not be like Peter Molyneux. Okay. okay so, so Peter Molyneux, he means well, you know, he wants to give you a fun game. Peter but he, well. he just says crazy promises constantly about mm. like, I don't know if you've followed any of the stuff, but like in Fable, you, you could, uh, the game will follow the whole life cycle of your character like from a child to old age. And, and like the children of your characters will grow up. You could knock an acorn off of a tree. And over the course <laughs> of the game, the acorn will grow into a new tree. That's a real thing he said. Excellent. And it sounds like you might want to play. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I mean, that's the right comment is because he says <laughs> it because that's what people want to hear. And they're like, yeah. oh, that sounds great. And I want to I want to hear more about this game. I want more magazine articles about this game. I want the demo. I want to buy it. So there's so, this. So if you make crazy promises, we can have media coverage. <laughs> yeah, yes, he he got a lot of media coverage. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually, I don't want to say your luck runs out, but like, yeah. what's, what's the, that's not <laughs> it, the right phrase. It catches up with you. It it's catches, up with yes, you. yeah. There, there's a, a judgment day that comes eventually. <laughs> You just can't deliver on any of the stuff. And so he has just consistently like not delivered on this. I, I hate to pick on him. I don't know. I'm not out to get him. I just, that's just an example of what you don't want to do. So on Kickstarter, this is so relevant because let's say you're, you're not like him at all. You're just, you're just kind of the average middle of the road person who's running a Kickstarter. There's going to be this huge force to be as Molyneux as you can. 
because everyone right. is going to say, well, this game is pretty cool, but what if it had another level? And what if it had another character? And what if it had another yeah. game mode? And what if it had alternate art promo cards? Also, the way that the components are organized in the box. I don't like that. Could you completely redesign it and make a totally different box with different <laughs> components? And you want, so if Molyneux was around, he wants to say yes because he wants to please everyone, wants to make them happy. And give them the best thing. So you, you say, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. We can add another level. We can add another character. We can change the components. Be a completely yeah, I mean, new box. And he's, and he's a famous designer. Like, chances are he could do some of that stuff. Like, for <laughs> me, myself, like, if, say, me by myself, I'm going to make a board game. I think I can't really say yes to half the stuff. Like, yeah, with so, the resources that I have and the, you know. So you will be barraged by the. It's, it's oh, guaranteed. Yeah. You absolutely will be. So the thing, the, your original question here is, what do you, what should you know ahead of time? Well, that's what you should know. You should know ahead of time that there's going to be a huge force that wants you to change everything and add a bunch of things. I mean, how do you build that into a schedule or like, how do you keep to your schedule that you agreed to ahead of time? That's right, that's I, so right. you, you, you would have had to have already scheduled that because when you launch the Kickstarter at that moment, you say when you will ship and you can't change that later. As soon mm. as it launches the first second like of the Kickstarter, it. yeah. it's built into it and cannot be changed. That's not technically right. Each reward has the date that that reward will ship I and see. nothing about that reward, the text, the price, the date, nothing, nothing can change once at least one person has pledged for that reward. Right. That's correct. But, but probably you would hope that at least one person would pledge for it like instantly or something. So basically as soon as you launch, you've committed. I mean, it would be yeah, completely you're not, crazy. You're not, to hoping, you're not hoping people don't back it and then you could change stuff. Yeah. You're not putting temp <laughs> dates in there. That's my point. So you launch it at that moment, you've committed to your date. And then people say, can we change a million things? And can we add a bun bunch of things? So you have to have already planned for all of that before they even said one thing, right, right. if you, if you're going to ship it on time. I mean, we can invoke our favorite or my favorite chat tech actually, which is the why not just principle. And that's like what you're going to hear a ton of, right? So yeah, for those why, who don't know, go ahead. <laughs> explain what the why not just phrase is about. Yeah. So so why not just is whenever there's like an issue with something, talking about, you know, designing a game or, or changing components or whatever, people will inevitably come at you and say, well, why not just add 10 more characters? Or it, it seems simple to me on the outside that you could just do these things. Yeah. So why don't you? I mean, we have been so hawk-eyed about looking at this statement and reacting to the statement, why not just, that we've stamped it out of anyone who helps <laughs> us develop. Because the phrase why not just implies that the idea being offered is like the default it's idea. It's so trivial. That, that and it's of, so trivial to do. That of course you would do. That like it's like why not just add ten characters? It's like the burden is on why why wouldn't you add ten? Of course you would add <laughs> ten characters, and why not have better art? <laughs> well, but I mean, often it's the the type of thing that's why not just is actually something that has all sorts of dependencies and ripples yes. yeah, forward yeah, yeah. everywhere and just changes everything. And you know, why not just do it that way? <laughs> why not just ship Kickstarters on time? So yeah, you'll get a bunch of. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of that. Uh, so I think to really explain more about why no is the most important thing, I, I don't think we've even covered it all yet. Uh, we should talk about more about the force that says you need to add a bunch of stuff. So actually, okay. this, this is about Kickstarter in particular, as opposed to just the normal market forces in the world. On Kickstarter, there are forces that push you to have two different 
dimensions or axes of more stuff, of extras. One of those is stretch goals. The second one is rewards tiers. Yeah, pledge tiers, yeah. So by rewards tiers or pledge tiers, what I mean is like the game costs, I'll just make up a number, $25, but the game plus something else costs $30. And... You know, plus two so, more mean, things, and it's forty dollars. I, I can't just put my game on Kickstarter by <laughs> itself and have just one tier. Is that not okay? Okay, so the the two axes here, the rewards tiers and the stretch goals, they're very different. And you just ask about the rewards tiers. You said, is it okay to just have one rewards tier, or why sure. is it not okay? Actually, I think it's okay if you want to have one rewards tier, you could do that. And there are successful games that do that. Some successful games have really only one or like they're just kind of fake. There's like the the main one and then there's you could pay about twice as much to get two copies. I see. Yeah. Or sometimes five copies or something. The the demo. You do you want a game store and want to demo the game? You know. But that doesn't really count because it's not what I'm. Yeah. So there are successful Kickstarters that do that. And if you want to do that, that's okay. I think the thing is that it might just not be prudent to do that because you could be more successful. Yeah. The the, the culture of Kickstarter wants you to do more than that. I would like to stress it's very different than stretch goals, the kind of want. But when we talk about the rewards tiers, what we mean when we say that people want it is more like there are some people that really like what you're doing and they want to pay you more actually. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's like on PBS, you know, there's like a pledge drive and you can donate to PBS and they'll give you like these various rewards, like a tote bag or something. And the more you pledge to them, the better the reward you get, but you're not really buying the reward. Yeah. Like a, yeah. like a charity dinner or something. Same yeah. You're concept. getting like, you're getting a cooler thing, but it's not, you know, one for one. And I think that's the spirit of Kickstarter. And it's actually like in their, in their rules and the text about Kickstarter, that's the kind of thing they talk about where Kickstarter is supposed to be to support a project that you like and it's not a store. They mm-hmm. need to remind people that all the time. So yeah, there, there are not a store, yeah. there's some people. So, you know, you have the, the, the whole population and there's different segments. So there's some people who are like that. They want to donate to your project. So you're just kind of like leaving money on the table, you know, by not doing it. You're, thank- you're thanking them for donating by giving them a signed copy of it or something. Now, I wouldn't say this is a big percentage of people. I'm just saying it's, it is a factor. Now there's another type of, another segment of player who's not, they're not like the PBS donator. Mm. It's not about like this altruistic thing, uh, you know, supporting this concept. They really like what you're doing and they want the best version of it. You know, mm-hmm. like there's so, like, I mean, imagine you had a lot of money and someone said, Hey, there's this really great game and it's like $20. So $20 to you is nothing. Now, to some people, it's significant. But, yeah, exactly. But to you, let's say it's nothing. And then you might think, well, if I could just spend, I don't know, $50, could I get like an even better version? Like mm. you, you would actually really want that. You know. So there's a certain category yeah. of people who are just dying to pay more to get either more or better or something. Yeah, that can kind of tie into like Pandante with the base set and the oh, yeah. deluxe with poker chips. Yeah. 
Right. I mean, that's the perfect example is that Pandante. So we'll take the newest version, like $40 for the, I think, for the base Mm -hmm. version. But what if you want to pay more? Well, the $40 version, we're trying to give you the game as cheaply as we possibly can. People complain about price being too high and all sorts of games. So let's get it to you in the most efficient way possible. But then some people just want the most extravagant components they can get. And we went all the way there with these professional grade clay poker chips that are really awesome. They're visually distinctive, not like most poker chips, which I often think of as like clown money. They're like elegant and simple (laughs) and the component quality is incredibly high. So if you have a lot of money and you want the best of a thing, then Let's make sure that that's available to you. Yeah. So at the end of this story about the rewards tiers is you don't have to do it, but there's a force out there that would like it and it would pay you for it if you did it. So you probably should do it. Mm-hmm. You probably and so should. That, that's have. also those things are going to factor into your, your ship time as well. Yeah. So now before we talked about this, you had to design a game, but now you've got to design a game and a game plus and a game plus plus uh-huh. and a game plus plus plus. And then a game plus maybe. <laughs> okay, so well, the, is that the stretch goals? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So now let's cover the stretch goals, which are a different beast. Stretch goals are a thing that happened organically; they just kind of appeared on Kickstarter early on, and now they're a staple. And that what that means is if the project as a whole raises X amount of dollars, which is beyond the total that we ask for. Then now we have enough money that we can add a new thing that everyone gets. Yeah. If it reaches even a higher funding, then we, everyone gets a new thing. So people are fanatical about these stretch goals. I think what they don't realize is how difficult it makes it to make games <laughs> and how really destructive it can actually be a lot of times to the process. Mm. People aren't thinking about that. And so they may be voting with their dollars and their comments in a way that is counterproductive without knowing it right like I, I think the spirit of the stretch goal more so is maybe i think what people want to do with that is it's kind of like word of mouth marketing like say i back yeah. you know pandante and i'm like oh man pandante's got these stretch goals or we'll go with codex actually because codex has stretch goals for uh, putting extra factions in the deluxe box so I'm a, yeah. I'm a deluxe backer and i'm like you know what i really want to have that stuff in the deluxe box i want to make sure that i get the best value that i can get so it's now my job and all the other deluxe set backers to tell everyone else hey guys if you back this really cool game you'll get a cool thing but really i'm just saying that so that i can get cooler stuff because i already i already pledged it and i want to make sure that the the most value gets into the the yeah so you framed it in the the best way in the positive way i think right because that example really does help everyone yeah it's it's crowdfunding like i'm trying to get it's enabling the crowd to raise more money which like helps the project owner, but it also actually helps that backer too, because yes. it will make the project better. So that we, I mean, I gave the example earlier of puzzle strike that had the boards and screens because it reached a certain amount of funding that that stretch goal. So that example of a stretch goal doesn't have the problems I mentioned. It's totally straightforward. It's just without the money, we can't put the component in and with it, we can. Yes. So the game's better. Everything's working correctly there, but mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. problem is it's that amplified. I mean, imagine that when you turn that force up like a hundred times and it just becomes this grotesque thing where yeah. like, well, yeah, you, you, those two components are good, but what about a third and a fourth and a tenth? Steel? And yeah, r- and, right. Yeah. And, and it's just endless. And it's like, okay, think of it this way. Imagine that you or I or someone came up with a game that was 
the most elegant game in the world, the most timeless game. You're like, it'll be played for hundreds of years because it's just every component of it is just so perfectly put together. You know, all the mechanics are just right and everything is there for a reason. So that game you'd hope would be, I mean, that sounds pretty amazing, right? You'd hope that would be the most successful game on Kickstarter, but it would really just be a total failure. It's the opposite of what you want to do. Yeah, so, that's when you release for the store, not for Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, so what you would want in Kickstarter is is the opposite, which would be a game that could support just arbitrarily much junk piled onto it. Like as many extra rules and characters and modes and pieces if I could add 10 separate pieces one by one to it, then now that's suitable for Kickstarter. And what's so damaging to the design process is imagine that you have game and then you have game like plus one, plus two, plus three, all the way up to 10. Yes. So someone might say, well, so the game plus 10, that's where it does really well. Also, imagine these are not just component upgrades. The things we're talking about are not like, and the pawns will be made of wood instead of plastic. Like, Yeah, it's we're going to add a new faction every time yeah, we hit a right. new tier. I mean, we're going to add a new faction. We're going to add a new mode and whatever. So before anything has happened, you think like, well, what if we're the most successful possible? And it turns out to be the game plus 10. So mm -hmm. that game... Is that good or bad? Like, is that what the game really should be? So if mm -hmm. you say yes, then it seems like crappy that you didn't have all that stuff in the first place. Yeah, it seems like that's the real game. And what we're really getting is the watered yeah. down version that it's not like not having the little boards for Puzzle Strike. It's not having half the game. Yeah, exactly. So in, if that's the answer, if the answer is, yeah, the best game is the game plus 10, that's the real thing, then it's sort of like this artificial thing that you've pretended you're going to take them all away or something, or you really will and you really are going to ship like less than what you should have. Then the other way is that like, no, 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 that's all optional stuff. We don't need any of that. Like the, the base game is the real game. And now you're mm -hmm. just piling on like junk after junk after junk. Yeah, so like what, what if I pledge the basic thing and then you send me all this extra stuff because other people, you know, <laughs> reach certain stretch goals and I have all these things on my shelf now that I don't want. Yeah. So let's imagine it's like that. It's that second way. And now we're at 1% of making our game. We're not even on Kickstarter yet, but okay. we know that someday we're going to be on Kickstarter. So it wouldn't really make any sense to launch it on Kickstarter and then like spur of the moment come up with. 10 new things like new factions and art and so yeah, on. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. You guys, it has to be pre planned somewhat. You want to reveal and show art. So then, what you already did some of the art and you already knew what the factions are going to be. Did you play test the stuff? Okay, so then why not just have them all in without having to reach those stretch goals? If you don't plan any of that stuff, then what you're doing is you're designing the actual game in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign which is crazy a kickstarter campaign is like a whirlwind we have no time to do anything and it's the worst time it's unthinkable to design the game during <laughs> then well then you don't even know if the design that you're working on will even make it so like why spend all that development time on faction 32 when oh whoops we only got to 27 so the last two months of design have been wasted <laughs> you've hit upon what i what i'm trying to get at is that it would be crazy to do it later to do it during the kickstarter campaign or after so that so you don't so you do it before and you do it before you go to kickstarter in our example where you have game and plus one two three four up to ten you've designed all ten of those things before you went to kickstarter but that means that your development cycle like either you've waited longer to go to kickstarter Mm -hmm. or you haven't, but you've just encroached on the design time of yes. the normal game. And either way, it's just a lot of effort 
towards something that doesn't really help the game. It maybe helped sell the game and will help it mm-hmm. be successful on Kickstarter, but it's kind of soul crushing to work on that sort of thing. Yeah, so, and in the spirit of making the best game possible, have you done that? Probably, no, maybe not. Yeah, so you want to have all of your effort go towards making the best game possible, ideally. Okay, so th- this these forces, one of them to have a bunch of rewards tiers with extra stuff, and yet that extra stuff has to not be the kind of thing we're talking about here where like you need it, you know, like if there's a $25 yeah. game and a $50 game or something like they both have to be real, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not right, just right. adding garbage to get to the $50 one. So you've got to have that dimension of stuff and then a whole bunch of stretch goals. How do you d- approach this? How do you design this? So what I think is that you've got to have planned all this out ahead of time. And even though you maybe in the back of your mind don't want to do any of it, you should plan some of it, you know, some minimal amount that the market demands and then say no when the market wants more because they will mm-hmm. always want more. If you have five stretch goals, though, they wanted 10. And if you had 10, then they wanted 15 or something. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of brings me to how the stretch goals worked for the Codex Kickstarter then in that they weren't things like, oh, well, we'll make a whole faction. Because we reached a certain amount. It was things like we have basic binders, but we can get these these binders with this really great faction art if we had a certain stretch goal. Or we can get the token cards, which aren't necessarily required for gameplay, but if we hit a certain point, we can put them into. Yeah, that's right. So I think of the opposite of Peter Molyneux as like Steve Jobs. And I can identify with Steve Jobs, just personality or way of doing things. And, mm-hmm. and that he says no all the time. And he's just like never satisfied. <laughs> so you kind of want to be this crotchety Steve Jobs guy. <laughs> if your goal is to ship the Kickstarter on time, you know, there's okay, other goals yeah, you might have. On that. Yeah. But That's what this podcast is actually about. <laughs> keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. So maybe if you're the Molyneux type, maybe you could get more press and maybe you could actually raise more money. Mm-hmm, maybe entirely possible because kind of lying to people, even unintentionally, like I, I don't think Molyneux intentionally lies. No. He just says things that can't possibly really be true if you thought about it. And he doesn't, you know, <laughs> didn't, didn't think it through. He's a visionary. You gotta, yeah, let, him, you gotta <laughs> let him dream. And then so when you say things that are, that are either just outright lies or we won't classify them as lies, just way too optimistic that might be a better way to make money but this podcast was about how to ship things on time and if that's what you want to do you want to be more like steve jobs and say no it's got to be a certain way everything's got to be right everything's got to be planned out and can we change this and that no 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 we can't yeah apple also has like products that are simple you know so they're making uh, Mm trade-offs where maybe it works for some people and it doesn't work for others and that's another case where you've got to say no 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 you know you can't please everyone so you you will definitely have to say no there's gonna be some people that your game is not the right fit for but you can't just be changing everything or really even anything that's already in place and already is doing the thing that you want to do so I think one thing that happens with people when they go on Kickstarter is they don't know any of this. And they aren't like Steve Jobs. They're not like Molyneux either. They're just in the middle. They're just regular people who say yes and no the normal amount of times, but they get just barraged by this overwhelming force of stretch goals and feel the need to scramble and figure out in the middle of the storm, like, what can we add? What new level can we add? What new character can yeah, we add? Yeah. So you can see easily how that will lead to being late. Or just losing your mind on top of that, on top of being late. 
Support for this podcast comes from patrons like you at patreon.com slash Serlin. You can become a patron and support the development of more finely tuned Serlin games as well as more content on this podcast. And if you do, you get access to a sneak peek at art that's in development and playtest materials for upcoming games. You also get access to a special second podcast where you can hear behind the scenes of how we actually solve design problems. That's patreon.com slash Serlin. Okay, so what was the third thing, third piece of advice? Well, I think things three, four, and five were <laughs> shipping, shipping, and shipping. So let's talk about yeah, the first shipping. one of those. Yeah, so I know some behind-the-scenes information because of Game Salute. They've been involved in, well, a few as of years ago, it was over 100 Kickstarters. So it's hundreds of, of Kickstarters now. And being able to see behind the scenes lets you know some stats. And one of the things that came out from that is it was public, you know, it's not like I have secret access to this or anything, but just it's been publicly said is that the number one factor that makes a Kickstarter fail where failure is defined as the Kickstarter front page says the project was successfully funded, but it lost money is shipping. So that's not surprising at all to me as someone who has run this because shipping is incredibly expensive and people don't get that. Mm -hmm. Especially people in the United States. It's like (laughs) you were born just thinking that we deserve free shipping or something. Or that shipping is like 10% of the thing we bought. So it's like, it's like tax. It's like not even a lot. You know, it's like, oh, I expect to pay a certain amount, but it's not going to be... It's not going to be crazy or anything. Then you got Amazon in the mix where Amazon can like ship you things way cheaper than, I, I mean, who even knows how they do this? It's the Amazon right. Prime thing is completely no. nuts. <laughs> it really is. It's nuts. It's crazy. They spend $80 and get an un, a, a year and get an unlimited number of second day air shipments. It's just totally bonkers. <laughs> you, you, and you push a button on your laundry, <laughs> on your, uh, your dryer, right? And then a plane leaves the warehouse and delivers yeah. you one package of fabric soft. Right. Yeah. I was like, wait, they can, <laughs> so they'll air mail me a box of crackers. So I tried it and they did like, what the heck? And then now there's like, there's next day and then there's same day in some areas. Same day. Do you know about that? Yeah, same day. And then there's, we're not even done. They've got two hour shipping in some areas, two hour. And then if you pay, that's free on certain items for Amazon Prime members. And if you pay them $8 extra, then it is one hour shipping. (laughs) Okay. I've just got an amazing idea for a Twitch stream. Where we just sit at home and we have people like donate and they subscribe and they just tell us to order ridiculous things and then we'll, we'll guess how long <laughs> yeah. they'll take. <laughs> and we'll, we won't pay for any of it. We'll just have everyone just donate to us. We're like, all right, so let's let's create the package and then you know just go through Twitch chat and eight nine volt battery, baked potato, <laughs> just see what Amazon what's what's the limitations on what they can possibly accomplish because they'll probably surprise us at every step of the way. So. So Amazon shipping is crazy and that sets everyone's expectation and someone's going to say, oh, why not just use the Amazon to ship Kickstarter why not and stuff? Just. Like, okay, no, no, <laughs> that's completely crazy. I mean, a Kickstarter has like a million exceptions and Amazon is like, I don't even know how to begin to explain it to you. Like you can't ever deal with a person. Everything has to be so automated and the same. Mm. <laughs> 
you, it's unthinkable to use them for a Kickstarter. So anyway, shipping for the rest of the world who ships, who is not the company Amazon, is incredibly expensive. And in the year 2016, it went way up all around the world for international shipping. So you need to plan for shipping. It's like the biggest factor that will make you lose money. And if you are planning for shipping, that means you've got to know how much does it cost to ship your game with each possible combination of rewards, you know, like... Mm. There was the $25 thing, the $50 thing. What if there's add-ons? What if there's four add-ons? And how do they, you know, maybe they want add-on number three or maybe all of them. Yeah. So you've got to know shipping for every possible. Goal and then you add a thing into yep, each and box And every now. stretch goal. So, so without the stretch goals, you've got a large combination of items. But with the stretch goals, now some of the items are different. You know, item number yeah. two now weighs more. Oh. Or always less or like <laughs> or who knows yeah, yeah. and is a different shape yeah maybe the box is larger yeah, now it can't I... fit in the same shipping stuff so you've got a number of components items to ship different combinations of unknown weights because they could be changing from stretch goals so you you basically have to plan that the stretch goals will be successful i think when you do this so Codex is a great example. Like if all the stretch goals are met, the shipping weight of the box will be 14 pounds. And if the stretch goals are not met, maybe it would be like eight pounds or something. Mm-hmm, yeah. But the shipping can't be changed. The shipping has to be completely locked in. Like how much will it cost to ship one box of that to Brazil is locked in before anything happens. And one shipping one box to Brazil, is that's uh, Brazil is a special case. It's the one of the most expensive countries in the entire world to ship to. Brazil and Russia. So the difference between it's astronomical, the difference between shipping eight pounds and 14 pounds. I mean, I should have, I should have had this in front of me, but it's like, it could be like hundreds of dollars. It's like more than the value of the entire thing you're shipping. So you can't really set it at the nine pound shipping rate and ask everyone to pay for that. And then turns out you're successful. Yeah. And then you just like lose money. Then it's like, yeah, yay, we hit the stretch goal. But now in order to actually ship all these rewards, (laughs) we lose tons of money. I, I heard some, I won't name it, but some Kickstarter got into that exact situation and just sadly, solemnly looked at all these international boxes they were supposed to ship and realized that they wish they could just burn them all and throw them away. Yeah, <laughs> and, it would be cheaper. And, yeah. and give the money back. And that that would be cheaper than what they are doing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's insane. how wrong it can go. Okay, so shipping, that means you've got to know all the combinations of items, all their weights, all the weights with the stretch goals, and you probably have to build that in to assume that you are going to meet them Mm -hmm. to avoid the disaster I just mentioned. And then you've got to know how much does it cost to ship all of that in the United States, to Canada, to Europe, to Brazil, to Guatemala and Portugal, and so on and so on. Yeah. Everything must be covered. So how do you even get that info? I mean, it's very difficult and it has to be completely planned and perfect before you launch. So now well, think about it. That, that kind of ties ludic- into number two, right? Where yes. you have to say no. Think how ludicrous it would be to have figured all of that out and then to add a whole bunch more stuff to ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really work. So you Mm -hmm. can try to not collect shipping and collect it way later. I've seen some Kickstarters do that. I don't know. That's a whole other huge hassle in itself. I try to just build it all in. Most Kickstarters just build it all in from the beginning. Kickstarter Mm -hmm. itself has been terrible for years and that it didn't even have a per country breakdown. It was just just completely unworkable. Yeah. But now it at least has that. (laughs) 
So you you can at least you know enter the the information in Kickstarter of how much it costs to ship to Germany versus Guatemala. I guess my only question then is like, how important is the actual distribution company? Like, is Game Salute just super awesome, or is it more so you being prepared as the person who's running the Kickstarter and having all that information? So it's actually know? Ship Naked is the subsidiary okay. that, that handles that and ship naked in particular has really been excellent forever for me they've shipped all five of these kickstarters on time and if other people haven't had a good experience with ship ship naked shipping things on time i think it's likely that it's the project itself that's late as opposed to the you know them shipping it so i wouldn't say that you have to use them or i'm not an ad for them or anything (laughs) yeah Use anything you can come up with. Use any company that will do it. But Do your work, though. Do you, do your part. If you're going to do this, what should you do? Well, what you shouldn't do is ship it all yourself. That's crazy. Like, how would you even do that? Some Kickstarters attempt that, and I can't even imagine. I'm not <laughs> equipped to ship a thousand packages around the world. Just logistically, it would be yeah. impossible and take all my time. And even if I had all that time and all that space... Like, how's that even going to work, right? Like, what, am I going to take a shipment from China or something into my apartment? Like, it's, no, you need a warehouse. And then even if you did all that, the shipping rates that you would pay would be astronomical. Because, like, go look at my last Kickstarter codex or something and look at all those shipping rates. And some people are like, oh, shipping's high. But (laughs) then if you actually try to ship those items yourself, you can just go look at USPS.com or something for the same items. You'll notice that it would be much more expensive than our prices. I actually have direct data on that for you. So, because with the Codex Kickstarter, I was shipping out the uh, deluxe box to various people to do uh, interviews, to do the, uh, you know, the review copies like Tom Bassel and and Rodney Smith. Mm -hmm. So, how much was that? The Kickstarter was $27 to ship me Codex uh, in the United States. Yeah, $27 in the United States and to Canada, I believe, was $27 as well. And so it's upwards of like 35 like alone for the actual product. But then we got to talk about the box and the packing materials to make sure that it gets there safe and all these other things. So it's oh, like, yeah, it's, I was including that in the, the exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, to, to ship the thing, it might be close to 27. But then there's all these other things that you have to do yourself, like, you know, packaging the box. And there's also the the handling, you know, someone yeah. has to actually put the stuff in boxes and mail it and you're paying them. And so, yeah, it, it would just be way too expensive for you, I guess, as a civilian <laughs> to, uh, to, to do all that yourself. You want some company that's got a deal on shipping because they do it in such yeah. a large volume that they can do it cheaply. And then you pass that on to the Kickstarter backers. You pass that savings on. So you want someone to do it. And then the next caveat is that Kickstarter is a million exceptions. So you need someone that understands that and can right, right. handle like, you know, every combination <laughs> Of, yeah, because it, it would items. be one thing. It'd be one thing if there was literally just space pandante and nothing else. That's <laughs> right. like con- conceivably you could do that out of your home. If it was that, you could put it all in Amazon and then have Amazon ship it. Actually, only to the United States, though. Yeah, that's another reason why you can't use Amazon. They can't do worldwide fulfillment on the stuff, but they just can't at all do all the exceptions and all the different packages. Right, right, right. As long as you've got someone that can do all that, Ship Naked is just one place that, that does all that. There's probably others. Yeah, just do your own homework first before, you know, don't just rely on the, the company themselves to, to handle all this nonsense for you. Like, make sure that everything works out. And then you can actually make money on the project. 
<laughs> after you've calculated all these things. One more thing about Ship Naked is that they're associated with Game Salute. I've heard a lot of negative things about Game Salute from BTG, but that's got nothing to do with anything I'm doing. They just ship my games. That's it. I see. I can't speak on either side of any of the talk about what's going, why people don't like them about, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I'm just completely uninvolved with any of it. Yeah. Yeah. As far as shipping goes, they've done a good job on that. Five out of five on time. Yeah, nice. So you need somebody to do that. And it would just be laughable to think that you were going <laughs> to set all that up ahead of time because like you need the plan already in place of where is all this inventory going to arrive? What warehouse is it going to land in? You know? All right. So that would be the three things then. So that's yeah. be 95% done. Yeah. Say no after you've established your plan and make sure yeah. that all your different things are set. Your plan can have stretch goals and it can have different rewards tiers but hopefully legit ones that actually help. Then you say yeah. no beyond that. Then just make sure that you figured out that you can make money on the game with, uh, <laughs> with international shipping and doing all the research as to how much all your stuff weighs, you know, the size of the boxes, packaging materials, who's sending what to where, and how much that you're going to need. I guess we can't really let this episode go by without saying the ship date because you've got to lock in that date. So what should you say? And I always build in a bunch of buffer that has to do with the manufacturing and the shipping. Like during the manufacturing process, you'll get proofs about like, okay, this card's going to look like this. And like, here's a different kind of proof that shows the card back that will go on this card. So like, look at the first one to see mm -hmm. the print quality, but the second one to see the front and backs are correct. And this other thing about the boxes, it goes on and on and on. There's this. Yeah. Cause I remember you keep saying like, you know, this is the date. And now that everything's set, we're going to go through all the things we have to go through to figure out if there's going to be any snags. So yeah, those, well, these are the snags you're talking about right here. Our players uh, who helped us develop it, this they have often had just no idea the scope of, of all that. Like they thought that like saying we're now done locking the text of all the cards meant that we're done when it would meant we're miles and miles from done because of all these other things I'm telling you about. Okay, anyway, what I'm saying is that you get all these proofs and some of it might be wrong. And so now you need back and forth. So one of the things to do is to build in buffer zone about the manufacturing back and forth process. Mm -hmm. It's always possible that, you know, things are not right or uh, maybe, I mean, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of yeah. that of, uh, I mean, a normal amount, like not that the or, factory yeah. is bad or, or, or something. The, the but thing that should be simple communication takes like three days to happen because, <laughs> you know, if people not responding or just being on vacation, like there's just little things like that, that you can't foresee. I would say very few problems overall, but the, when there are problems, it takes time. So a, a yeah, problem yeah, might yeah. be that the card back doesn't match. Like my instructions weren't clear enough. Sometimes a, a color just comes out really differently than I thought it would to the point yeah. where it looks wrong. So now we need to, you know, that's actually difficult to address because like, is it my files? It's a problem. Is it their tuning? That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's the whole thing. And then another whole thing is like the international shipping from the factory to wherever your warehouses are. And are your warehouses going to all be in the United States or will you have separate warehouses in the EU or something yeah. to try to lower shipping to them? That's a whole other thing. But just the logistics of the international shipping, you need this thing called a bond that will even allow you to ship and all this paperwork. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and one right. on one of the projects, 
a problem was that there were delays at the docks so that they couldn't even, yeah, like boats were backed up and like our shipment was missed, but then to reschedule it, it took like three weeks or something. They're literally on a boat. Oh yeah. Well, trying to get on a boat or yeah. Another one was that there was some storm on the docks and then some percentage of the inventory was destroyed. And so it seemed best to not ship any of it and to produce the rest of it and then ship all of it at once. And so ultimately there was no problem at all, but time. Yeah, it's time. So I mean, could I have predicted that? Am I supposed to put it, you know, uh, three weeks for docs problems? Like, no, I, I don't. Maybe you did. Like, that's that's kind of what the projection is, right? But my point is that I couldn't possibly have known any of the particular problems. They're all particular problems. No. The, yeah, particular problems. So it's just like probably a month of screw up will happen here mm-hmm. and probably another month here. And then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's the manufacturing stuff. There's the shipping uh, leaving port. And then on the other side, there's when it arrives, like, will it be inspected by customs? So 100% of my shipments have been inspected by customs. And that, I don't know why that's not normal. Supposedly it's supposed to be a rare thing, but mm. all of my shipments have been. And when that happens, that takes an unknown amount of time. Like they say a week, but really it's more than it's more like two and a half weeks. And then they charge me for it and they charge hundreds or sometimes <laughs> thousands of dollars that I am forced to pay for their inspection of my uh, inventory. <laughs> so there's another delay. And then the warehouse receiving it. Sometimes, you know, this depends on your warehouse, but ship naked is in the middle of other Kickstarter campaigns. So yes. they might not be able to ship it like instant they get it like they may need a week or two or something Mm -hmm. yeah just to manage all the the different stuff going on internally so at the end of the day i I have tended to add six months and i went to a what is it what do you call it like a a small convention or something for board games and there i was on a panel of about 10 people and i was like way out in left field on this panel because i was the only one that was saying why do you need a publisher just make a game <laughs> right and everyone else is like oh i need a publisher and then also when it came to kickstarter someone asked from the audience so I, i'm gonna do a kickstarter how long do you think i should say like from the end of the date to when i sh- ship my game my board game and i said well all of mine have been about six months and everyone else on the panel said that i was completely crazy and that was like why would i do that to myself why would i say such a short amount of time well, I, I did do that. I, I know, but they, they were like, that's nuts. Like nine months is pushing it. Can't you say a year or something? Like you're all saying that. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. Like I did it every time. I guess it's hard. And like th- what they were saying is it's putting an artificial date that you can be late on. Right. You're making yourself late. Their philosophy is, well, if I say five years, <laughs> I will n- I will not be late. And no one can get yeah. mad at me for that. The longest I ever or said I would take was Codex. And it was just because there's so many things that could have gone wrong. Because there's so many cards and components that... Yeah, printing problems and... Yeah, and also that yeah, the box exactly. was so big and heavy that that could have caused problems shipping. And, you know, it turns out it did, I guess. But yeah, I was a little extra worried and, and had a little more time but the others were all six months. And these people on the panel were saying it should be nine months or a year, but maybe they oh, yeah. didn't subscribe to the rest of the philosophy of like- yeah, Maybe they were 50% done when they, yeah. they started it. Or, yeah. Right, they're 50% done. And how can we ship it in six months if we have all of these spontaneous stretch goals that we've added in the middle of the project? Right, right. <laughs> Maybe that number was right for them, right? That like yeah. nine months to a year was correct for how they decided to run it. Yeah. So that's fine if it will take you that long. 
I was trying to make it a selling point kind of, it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, a bonus of my Kickstarters is that you don't have to wait a year or something. You don't forget that you backed it before you receive it. <laughs> yeah. I know people particularly like Ryan, uh, also known as uh, LK404 on our forums, mm-hmm. big part of our community. He's had days where he's gotten home from work and there's a mysterious package at his house and it's a board game that he just doesn't remember backing. <laughs> this has happened to him on many occasions. Yeah, so Kingdom so, Death I mean, Monster, do you know about that? It raised oh, yeah. $2 million something dollars and two years into it, they still hadn't shipped. Yeah. That's, sorry, two years late. I don't mean two years into, into it. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's a game just with tons of miniatures and very expensive games. So imagine like spending $300 on a, on a board game, but then not seeing it for three years. <laughs> that's faith. It was, it was really funny to just be hanging out at his house and the package shows up. It's like, oh, hey, a board game. It, it's been so long since I remembered that this existed. But for the, the Sterling game stuff, I've typically, oh, hey, I'm backing this thing. Oh, hey, it's here way before I thought it would be. It's always nice. Like, I think the Kickstarter for Codex, did it begin in March and conclude April? Uh, no, I believe it was January and concluded uh, February 2nd or something like that. Oh, okay. For about eight months from the beginning of the, the Kickstarter. Um, and it was projected to be November of uh, this yeah, year. Yeah, but you measure you should measure from the end, so from February. Yeah, from February. So, so that would be about seven months until the starter and core set started to go out. And then, as you said earlier, the deluxe set was too large, so they had to get custom boxes. And that'll be here maybe about two to three weeks after. So. Probably everyone will have it by the time they hear this podcast. Uh, that's right. I, I know I'll have mine by the time it's probably <laughs> uploaded, so... All right. So let's see. That's this, pretty much it, I think. I mean, this shipping seems like a lot of stuff to do. I've, I've changed my mind. I'm not making a board game anymore. Okay. It's just, it's just too much. I want to make a video game now. And I, will, I want to use Kickstarter for that. So looking at the model that we just decided, say we're not, we're not doing the shipping aspect anymore, right? Unless we have stretch goals that are things like t-shirts and... So that's a question right there is, do you want to have physical goods? And you're allowed to say no. <laughs> Right. And then it goes to number two and you're allowed to say no. Oh, I didn't mean that. I just, I mean, you're allowed to decide not to have physical goods. Some people want to, like your friend, want to have physical goods because it's a way to do the thing we said before where people want to pay you more and they want the better stuff. And so you're just trying to satisfy that. But I'd be wary of it because it's such a hassle to deal with. So maybe it'd be be nice to just, you know, digitally release my game and give you like a a digital soundtrack and PDF art book and stuff. You know, that's kind of nice. And then not to deal with all that shipping aspect. So what were you asking then? So the same principles kind of apply, right? Should the game be really far along or is it the thing well, where... no, I actually. Can, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, can, my, can my game be 5% made and then I can get the game on Kickstarter and see if I can get development funds for this game? So video games are radically different, I think, than everything we've talked about. So the, the easiest thing to say is that you don't have to have the physical goods, although you could opt into that if you wanted. The whole problem is in tip number one about what percentage complete should you be in the board games? I said you should maybe be 95% because you can, but mm-hmm. in video games, you can't. It doesn't make sense. It's too expensive. Like in board games, you could get most of the way there. And then the money you're raising is paying off maybe your art debt, but also paying for all of the manufacturing and shipping that you're about to have to do. But right. here, it's more like hundreds of thousands of dollars of development or something that you can't possibly afford to do to be 95% complete. It's just way more expensive to make video games. So you can't. Like the, the vast majority of video <laughs> games 
whether they want to or not, they simply cannot come to Kickstarter very far along. They start as, you know, concept art and a video saying, hey, I'm this guy. Here's my vision for this game. Help me out. So I think the normal thing to do would be to have between zero and five percent complete. That would let you use Kickstarter maybe more how it was intended of like, hey, I have this idea and here it is. And do you want to pay for it? So that mm-hmm. that's OK. Sure. The problem is the, the same kind of thing that we talked about earlier about like, well, what if I came to Kickstarter with codex of 50 percent done, but then even when it's 50% done, there's like multiple 90% secretly waiting for me. Yeah. Think of how much worse that'd be. Orders of magnitude worse if I said, well, I'm 5% done. And also it's a software project because software is just always difficult. Everything goes wrong. Everything takes a long time. It's everything's dependent yeah. on everything else. You know, all these interactions of subsystems and code. Yeah, things that shouldn't go wrong, just do. And you can't explain it. So it's no surprise that video game projects are just ridiculously late. I, I'd like to go even beyond that. We've talked about the lateness because you have to guess a date when you're zero to five percent done. Then <laughs> yeah. there's the lateness on top of that that comes from it being a software project. So I think you'll be farther off than you if you had to guess on the board game zero to five percent. But you're not out of the woods yet because it gets even worse. The stretch goal thing that we talked about oh, yeah. is just way, way worse. That's the nail in the coffin there on a lot of Kickstarter projects, I think. So th- imagine this. I've got an idea for a game. Here's 5% of it. And now there's just going to be a stretch goal for a new character and a new level, new game mode. How about PvP? You're going to add PvP to the game. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to add PvP. I mean, that's right. Okay, so we're going to add PvP to the game. Wherein there was no PvP before at all. In the board game world, the things we were adding, we should have already figured them out. But if we somehow didn't, then we had 95% of the game already. And yeah. We could at least maybe figure them out. Not during the Kickstarter campaign. That would be crazy. But right afterwards, maybe. But we don't have anything here. So there's no way to make good judgments on these extras really yeah a thing that's really unfortunate is that you want to say if we reach this higher funding goal our video game will have this certain extra feature and um everyone hears that and they like that and they want that feature then two years go by and you get to the part where you're supposed to make the feature and you realize (laughs) it's not a good idea actually like it sounded good Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. things have changed a lot of things have happened in two years the game turned out a little differently really some completely other mode would be fun and easier yeah yeah but you can't do that now because you've you've tethered yourself to what you said you'd do what you said you'd do yeah it's very rough so this brings us to something we'll end on and we'll give a lot more detail about this in a future podcast but i think we should try some different model to fund fantasy strike which we're working on right now and you can see why we certainly could go to kickstarter and if we do one of the pluses we would have is that we are very far along i mean we're not we're not 90 percent far along not like a board game i don't mean that but we're way past five percent i mean yes we've had tournaments for this like it's yeah it's and it's it's a fighting game it's it's yeah. not like there's going to be some extra modes that we have to create a bunch of you know foot soldiers for because it's like you know dynasty warriors <laughs> well i do have some extra modes in mind anyway i guess what i'm saying is the plus would be we are just way farther along than would be normal on kickstarter and so that's, that's an true. advantage because we that's can true. say like look we're not going to make nothing i mean yeah, we're already yeah. doing it but we would have all the disadvantages that we talked about on like having to come up with stretch goals when 
we really wish we didn't have to commit to them because mm-hmm. it might yeah. be hurtful to the player pledging to us actually yeah. you know like that player sure. might get a better game if we got Didn't farther along and then yeah. decided then decided later what the best thing to do was or something i don't yeah. know like the, okay overwatch is like a big game now what do you think mm-hmm. would be a better mode a mode that they came up with right now and added to the game or a mode that they came up with two years ago before the game worked and put it as a stretch goal i mean you actually wouldn't want them to do that you'd want to say like make your game then figure out how to improve it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. And and that's like a just a, a basic difference of, you know, software and hardware in a sense with like board games versus video games. So they're always going to have that that core difference of one being able to be updated on the fly and and fixed and changed even after launch. So promising yeah, stuff definitely. super early is is really really it, it it can really just make your design so much more narrow. So a promise that I would like to make that I think helps the player the most is to say, I promise that between now and one month from now, we will work on whatever it is that allows us to improve the game the most. Right. Like like say we have, you know, there's net code, but it's a little bit laggy. So we're not really enjoying online play right now. So the next month, guys, we're going to be spending on improving net code. Yeah. Well, note that we don't even have online play yet, but and we are working on that. But that's, (laughs) yes, but sure. That's just an example. uh, Yeah just even more realistic is like so we've had like placeholder model character models that are like kind of okay and then we Mm. have real models that are better and if in a particular month we get the real character models of several characters finalized then the best use of our time is to put those models in the game and tune them and tweak them because that's when we happen to get them at the beginning of the project we didn't know that that february was going to be the month that we did that we just did it when it was the most effective thing to do at that moment and so the thing that i think will be very helpful to us and to the players is to say every month we're going to do whatever it is we can do that's the best and we're going to keep doing that every month so that's the patreon model and so what we're going to try to do which is different not how video games are normally funded is to use patreon it's going to be this grand experiment and i hope that it will be way better than the normal way but we'll see it depends on if we can get everyone's support so we should explain that in more detail in another podcast i think yeah, that's a whole uh, other Have I given the gist stuff. of it? Do you, do you sort of get what I'm saying about uh, yeah, c- kind of a getting out from under the stretch goals and trying to make a, a better product than we could have made with them? Yeah, like I, I think all gamers, you know, we're, all, we're gamers here talking right now. It's like, I think all of us have like a game in our brain that we would like mm-hmm. to make. And it's, it's always this gigantic sprawling thing with endless possibility. It's the Peter Molyneux dream. like every single time and it it really takes a lot of maybe saying no to yourself like not even saying no to your fans but saying no to yourself and being like let's just focus on getting a thing actually made but also in in a reasonable time frame that has reasonable goals and that's maybe that's that's some some good advice oh yeah you're saying pick a smaller scope yes i think we've done that because we've chosen basically a simplified fighting game in many ways but not getting rid of the fundamental strategy but just trying to get rid of extraneous things that helps us in that there's since there's fewer things than there otherwise would be we can polish them more we can take more care in each one of them that's sort of separate though from whether it should be on kickstarter or patreon because either way you could say that but trying to fund it through patreon as we will hopefully we'll have you know several advantages Uh, we won't enter the graveyard of (laughs) so many kickstarter (laughs) games that never ship or that are two years late or also one cool advantage of patreon is that like we can give you what we want every month yeah it's i mean it's a continuous thing that's what i was saying every month we promise we'll do our best job and then every month we show you what we did yeah also radically different from kickstarter where it's more like in two years maybe you'll get something 
a thing we mentioned about, uh, on the tabletop games was that I said you wouldn't want to be 100% done because then you couldn't really take advantage of some of the feedback. But think about this. What if you took advantage of the feedback every month? <laughs> <laughs> in this video game thing because it's and ongoing you, and you like laser focused the feedback too and you just said okay so this month let's talk about you know inputs and how does that feel and then we could easily like sort of turn our fans and our supporters sort of into like a QA process you know yeah kind of I mean so we have a lot of things that are placeholder and that don't look good and we know that but then we see mm -hmm. like there's a few that people complain about the most and so then yeah we totally fix, now we know that we should probably fix those before the other ones because it's more bang for the buck and so on. It's really a lot about priorities. So the feedback we get, people might be thinking when I say feedback, it's like, oh, what if you made a totally different game or something? But no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not like that. It's just more like there's so many areas of improvement we could focus on and we hear what from feedback, what people care about. In addition to finding bugs, they also find a lot of bugs. It's true. <laughs> and, yeah. And that's, and that's important we, in software. And yeah. then we fix them too. <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's kind of the part of it, too, is like the Patreon model is going to let us sort of bring fans into the development cycle of the game rather than saying like, well, here's the stuff that we promised to do and we hope we do it. It's more so working with the fans and with the community. We could actually build something that's even better than just having stretch goals and possibilities that we're coming up with. But instead, like it's more of a collaborative effort of the supporters and the developers working together. So I'm excited to see how that pans out. I mentioned that it wouldn't make sense to come up with a whole new game mode when you were 5% through because you wouldn't really have, you know, a sense of what a good mode would be. So the counter examples, what we're actually doing, we have this arena mode idea. This is a little bit like Hearthstone where you can get some power ups attached to your character and then you play uh, against other people who have done similarly until you win, you know, 10 or 12 times or lose three times. So that's not implemented right now. It's an idea. It takes a lot of effort to flesh out the idea and to implement it in a first pass and we're not there yet but you know it's in the works but my point yeah. is that at some point in development we're going to say to our patrons here is that first pass and then they will be able to tell us like if yes. it's working or if it's and not maybe, you know, it was a good idea totally or was it a bad idea yeah, yeah, it might totally suck. And I would want to know about it then and not after, <laughs> yeah. you know, after 95% much, much, completion. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be fun to be on that ride with people and say, like, here's this other mode that we think in theory, we have, have all this theory that says it's fun. Yeah. So, uh, so tell us if it is. I cannot wait until I have netcode and can stream the game and play it with a rock band guitar on stream so I can show you guys just how easy execution the game really is. It's going to be a lot of fun. Great. I think we've covered everything we need to cover. We talked about how to develop and ship a tabletop Kickstarter mostly and then a little bit about how if you want to do it for a video game, you have even greater challenges because you've got to probably come to Kickstarter much earlier and then plan for stretch goals yeah, that are just, just way that off. Come just that on its own. Yeah. Very difficult challenge last note that we will try to tackle that in a different way in a new way on patreon and we really hope people will support us there and that's it and we will do another episode in the future that is more about that great well thanks for coming on leontis all right thanks for having me and thanks everyone for listening as well all right take care bye